On this podcast, we talk about different areas of business and all things marketing. My name is Dave Doyle. And I'm Dave Alton. And this is Social Antics, another marketing podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to Social Antics. And when I say welcome back, I do really mean welcome back. It's been a long time coming now at this stage. Um, 218 days, <laughs> a good 218 days rest is what <laughs> this was. And you dragged me back somehow or another. You say rest now, it's like you took a good academic holiday, Christmas holiday we finished off last November. Everyone thinks that we don't work. We're the hardest working people around the yeah. place at the yeah. moment, yeah. Um, so yeah, so thanks, welcome back. You can probably notice a bit of a difference. Um... Before you ever only had to listen to us, now you have to look at us as well, which is great. <laughs> um, In 4K. 4K, yeah. High def. Um, so yeah, no, it's great to be back. I suppose a bit of a difference this time around is, first off, we want to welcome, you can't see him off camera there, is uh, Mr. Owen Good, who's after coming in, kicking, screaming, dragged in to be a producer for us. So it's fantastic to have Owen on board. Um, we have, I suppose we could nearly say we have a live audience now, couldn't we? We have a live audience, that's very intimidating actually, yeah. usually just myself and yourself, we can edit it afterwards. Yeah, it's great, so that's the first change, uh, the second change obviously is we're in a bar, um, we haven't come up for a name for the bar, so any suggestions is more than welcome, but uh, I suppose the whole idea behind the bar was, if anyone's listened to us before, you'd hear Dave on and on about missing the pub during the COVID and all that kind of stuff, missing the pub, wanting the point, so I said I'd... I'd pandemic proof just in case that went wrong again and I, I built you a bar Dave and to be and to be and to be fair it's, it's a lovely bar mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite bars in the studio at the moment <laughs> yeah definitely we followed on we followed on the old trend of um everyone was building pubs and Shibines bars and shibines and out their back stuff. gardens yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. so we said well, we, don't, we have our own one we have and our own one I wouldn't mind you could have done this during the pandemic when you know i was missing the bar mm-hmm. as opposed to now when you're dragging me out of the bar on the day that we record to come in here instead that was not bad to be fair mm. i could the other reason i could have done it before the pandemic or during the pandemic was the, the materials were cheaper as well <laughs> they went through the roof after um now in fairness the one thing i will say is that because you actually built the bar we've decided to change it up a little bit whereby i brought the drink We've, we've never had a drink before. We've never had a drink on Social Antics before. I was going, I was going to correct you there. No, never. We've had a drink before. How do you think we started the podcast? Great. <laughs> yeah, no. So we got, this week, what have we got? This week we have, it's called uh, Tutti Fruity by Brew Brewery. And I must say, it's refreshingly delightful. And I would say this isn't, oh. a, hash, this isn't a hashtag ad. This no, is it's actually not. No, lovely. we this actually went out and had to buy this. <laughs> had to buy this for our own money and they don't know we're doing this or anything just in case yeah, the good Instagram good warriors are giving out saying that we'll do anything no very very nice now what I would say and again uh, one thing where neither of us are craft beer enthusiasts we're not beer snobs any of that kind of jazz like beer like alcohol all that kind of jazz drink responsibly yeah we need to put that at the yeah, end actually oh and make sure we put that at the end <laughs> get in trouble otherwise by the police Um, but the one thing that I cannot stand and again lovely lovely can lovely design all the rest of it but the nonsense that people write on the side of cans or any kind of beer these days so will i read it to you go go on story time with dave story time with dave no that's that's a different show that's a much that's that's on after hours it's a different show entirely so our urban jungle range celebrates brew brewery's adventurous side find your animal spirit with urban jungle so you can see where this is kind of going there straight away right love, love it so, so far 
Inspired by the classic sweets, Tutti Fruity Tropical Pale Ale is bursting with a rainbow of aromas and flavours. Not just a rainbow. A rainbow of aromas and flavours, which includes mango, passion fruit and pineapple and real fruit puree and extracts. An explosion of sweetness and a silky soft body make it an easy drinking beer to delight the senses with every sip. A juicy, hazy What's going beer. On oh, oh, it's going. This is my favorite. This is my favorite bit. A juicy, hazy beer that's sunshine in a glass, sunshine. no matter the weather, any time of year. It does look it, no? It's Absolute good. I like that. nonsense. Uh, no, no, I love it. Absolute love it. nonsense. No, and that's basically how this podcast goes is you just love marketing because it helps make you money whereas I think the <laughs> amount of marketing around the place is just absolute nonsense altogether a lot of it a lot no. of it is terrible well, go Which on again, on that, so again the beer thumbs up design of the can love it copywriting needs to improve well look it worked so well it, it uh, grabbed your attention and made you buy it no it didn't that's my thing that I do I go around looking for terrible advertising everywhere that I go just because it's, it's fantastic well done to the lads there in brew um and again so not hashtag ad not hashtag ad so I suppose look when you mentioned there around the whole area we kind of love marketing and love seeing adverts and things that last and all this kind of stuff and I suppose that's kind of a nod to what we wanted to push in our lovely studio do you know that we the quality street in lasted the lasted the ages how much that how much that cost us to buy that cost quite a lot of money that was a that was a, a, a sweet, tin that's in a someone's tin kitchen with no sweets in it and it cost like 25 have quid have you opened it yet I didn't check inside. I don't want to find something we don't want. Uh, we've got the nods to other like we were big fans there. Brew dog, we have that. Um, Dave is keeping guard of the jellies over on his side. We've a couple of marketing books up there. A few little bits spotted around the place, and then your typical bar kind of bits as well. But but that's the way we're going to run. We're going to try and have something different to drink every week. Um, we're going to stick with the craft beers. We're going to stick good local, all that kind of stuff. A local UK Ireland local, like yeah, very local. Yeah, yeah very local. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a big circle. <laughs> So every week, effectively, what we do here is we talk about the things that have happened in the last week in relation to business, marketing, society, anything you want, basically, in terms of what's capturing people's interest. And again, we probably have a bit of an alternative or a different take on it. You're the practitioner looking at things from a revenue perspective. I'm somewhat more ethical than you are. So therefore, I'm the person who looks at this through a more critical, possibly lens and kind of picks things apart a small bit more. But um, this week... What topic are we going to discuss? We're going to look first at the dating app Thursday, um, purely for the only reason that we're going to release this podcast on a Thursday. It seemed uh, very celebratory. It was, we yeah. We kind of tied in nicely there. Um, uh, what else are we going to look at? We're going to look at Elon Musk and his takeover of not just Twitter, but probably going to be the world by the end of it when he's done, the way he's going. And a few other bits along the way. Um, so I suppose kicking off this week, what we're going to chat about is Thursday, as we mentioned. So new uh, new dating app on the scene. Uh, based over in the UK, um, they're basically starting to get known for a lot of their kind of, I suppose, PR stunts, we'll even say guerrilla marketing, and, and that whole work kind of shock factor, I suppose, and what they've done recently, which it's, it's out a couple of weeks now, I suppose, but it's, it's really kind of caught our attention, and we definitely wanted to bring it on for the first episode, was that they, they put out a call on, on LinkedIn, but what they've done is they put up an advert, a blank advert now, literally a white page, on the tube in London, and basically put out a call for members of the general public, people using LinkedIn in this case, um, to come up with copy, uh, to come up with content, to put onto the advert and they'll run it out. And I just think it was very, very clever. And since they put it out, 
it's kind of blown up a little bit for them, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, you know, gathering a bit of traction. Yeah, I think like to be fair to them, and we'll talk about a little bit later on in terms of why marketing needs to have a number of different elements in terms of the tech needs to fit in with the attention, needs to fit in with the story, all the rest of it. But what they have gotten very got right on this occasion is their tonality is very, very clear. And by that, I mean that they're a very, very tongue-in-cheek brand. And that has come across very, very consistently um, since they, they launched. So I remember the first time I came across them, it was actually on LinkedIn, um, which is a weird place to come across a dating app, right, in terms of um, any kind of content whatsoever. And basically what it was is they got an intern and they said they basically on the intern's first day, they gave them £35 and said, you need to go and market our, you mm. need to go and market our, um, you need to go and market our, um, our app. So what the student did, which was very, very clever, is they went to the a market, bought a load of dates, as in the fruit oh, dates. Yeah. I presume it's a fruit. Is it a fruit? I know it's fruit. Dates. Um, the healthy things that you see in the, the shop that you don't buy. The shop that you don't buy, yeah, those things. Um, and basically, she got a cardboard cutout sign, put the cardboard cutout sign over herself, and just had a big sign saying, um, dates on Thursday. Mm. And that was basically it. So very, very simple. I think she had a hashtag worst internship ever and stuff like that, but... What's very, very clear about them is that they've got tongue-in-cheek humor and they're also like they're also not afraid to associate themselves with certain things, which is very, very different for kind of brands nowadays. So they are very, very pro-feminist when they want to be and they're unapologetic about that. They talk about things like mental health and, and mm. those kind of topics within their advertising and content, which even though we're seeing more of it now in terms of this moral marketing, a lot of it is in kind of unstigmatized areas. So Five years ago, if you had a brand um, uh, promoting something which was very, very pro-LGBT, people would be like, oh my God, yeah. they're taking such a risk. Yeah. Nowadays, it's almost weird for a brand not to do it, right? So they've got their tonality absolutely spot on. And this latest stunt, which is, here's a blank billboard, create our ad for us, mm. filters into that entirely. Because again, all their followers are into following a humorous brand ultimately. But I think when it comes to it, when it comes to a brand like this and, and what their service is, they have to be tongue in cheek. Do you know? Because it kind of feeds into. They have to be a little bit in my in my eyes. They they have to kind of feed into the whole. Do you know the kind of the culture they're going after, the the audience they're going after, just to grab the attention. If it just becomes boring and stale, like it's like the whole thing of um, was it eHarmony and uh, the difference between eHarmony and Tinder. It's kind of that kind of audience, like you know. So if they're going after this audience, probably young professionals, if they're going to be on LinkedIn, realistically. So like they kind of have to go along that range. But yeah, you talked there about the stunts and stuff like that. I've I've listened now a couple of times to the to the founder uh, George Rowling's, uh, one of the co-founders, and he's talked all about kind of the stunts and the shock and the the. The kind of that kind of side of things but it brought me back um, what you were saying actually and come back to a previous episode if you remember back that far now at this stage but back to when we actually chatted to paul from the white moose cafe and he mentioned that brands nowadays have to be more creative i'm not sorry creative he said they have to be brave and that was what he talked about even in terms of his own style so like that's what they do they, they're 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 able to take risks and take chances on this kind of stuff well they like again my attitude would be and like like as a as a marketing lecturer as an academic, the one thing I'm constantly looking for is relatable marketing material so that I can communicate things to the guys that I'm teaching. Right, that's ultimately my main job. 
it is very, very difficult now to find marketing and advertising that is actually exciting, that mm. works, that's attention grabbing. And you could probably list off some of the brand. Brewdog do a good job. Gymshack do a good job. Again, Thursday, they're doing a good job because it's, it's very kind of different in terms of what they're, um, in terms of what their overall approach is. But I would kind of like, I would disagree a small bit with you in terms of what you were saying about, um, their their kind of tone of voice and how it needs to be humorous like for me not that it needs to be humorous what i think is it needs to be it just needs to be it's almost i don't like using it but it needs to always be kind of that attention grabbing now to stand out do you know because oh, yeah, there's so yeah, many in this space so i probably said it wrong so yeah no it needs to be more on the standout kind of thing yeah but that's every that's every brand exactly right? yeah, um yeah. like a new dating app is going up against match.com which is mm. basically the the conglomerate here right they own most of those brands bumble who have a very very strong let's call it brand ideology behind them and that it's yeah. very very pro-feminist and the ceo of that company is x tinder, uh, tinder she yeah. basically thought that the tinder culture was very very misogynistic and so on and so forth so she mm. decided to do her own thing and has been very very successful in that um Tinder is very, very dominant in terms of it being a hookup app and it's the most dominant there by far. And, and then you've of, got the longer terms of term brand, I suppose it's probably the most, it's the it's like, you know, if you want to find something on the internet, I'll Google it. Tinder is the one that you'll automatically go Absolutely. to in terms yeah, of the, it, it owns that space of the, the mental availability, I suppose. And I think like, that comes down to, that comes down to the core thing for me. And look, I mentioned it a minute ago in terms of what I think, if you were looking at a dating app and a strategy for a dating app, like, there's a few key things that I would look for in that, right? And this is beyond Thursday, but this is just more general kind of dating apps. But one, you need the attention because mm. if no one knows about you, then you're not going to have people on the app. And in any app whereby it's a consumer to consumer relationship, there has to be traction on the app, right? Otherwise people have no one to actually date when mm. they're on the app itself. And that can be very, very chicken and egg for some brands as well in terms of how they actually want to promote it. So beyond that then you need to have technology which in my mind needs to be focused on security more so than ever and i think that is psychological security but it's also security in terms of um in terms of you actually going on a date and making mm. sure that you're safe and that's particularly important for i would say female audiences but again we saw stuff during the week even yep. in ireland yep. in terms of on the back of dating apps yeah. on the back of dating apps so again having security there is fundamental important um to people and it's going to get more and more important again um the algorithm has to match the culture of the app um and what I mean by that is that, one, there needs to be, you need to be matched with the right people, have the opportunity to be matched with the right people. But beyond that, there has to be an understanding of people who are using the app to the culture of the app in and of itself. So what I mean by that is, Hinge is very, very clear. They're marketed as the dating app that's meant to be deleted, i.e. it is almost entirely engaged towards long-term relationships. Tinder is a hookup app. Mm. If you've got a lot of people on Tinder, and some of them want long-term relationships and some of them are just into hookups, yeah. that doesn't work because yeah. people's motives and attitudes and behaviours aren't um, aren't aligned, basically. And there was a paper that I read um, when we were kind of researching this particular topic and it talks about this idea of kind of sociosexuality. And this idea of sociosexuality is that the only way that an app works is if there is some sort of congruence between the attitudes and motivations of the different types of mm. um, 
genders and then homosexuals he- um heterosexuals and where what they actually want out of that app in and of itself because again if you've got people who are looking for long-term relationships and you've got a lot yeah. of people going Sim- do you want to meet do you want to meet and bang that yeah. uh, that doesn't Sim- work no, simply put we've put we've put it to we've put a, a kind of a brand on so, or uh, an overarching name on so many brands now that they try to be all things to everybody and it just doesn't work do you know so they have yeah. to, as you were saying there they have to find their audience and go for it yeah 100 percent. and again this is th- there's a number of different things there again in terms of the attention in terms of the technology in terms of the overall culture i mean fundamentally if an app like this is going to survive against again a match.com or something like that they have to do things a little bit differently so again on the like on the security um on the security side of things particularly in terms of the tech there has to be a huge amount of, I suppose, impetus on what that security actually looks like. So again, very, very simple thing. So um, again, when I was doing a bit of research for this, I went onto Reddit and I just find a random thread, which is basically, what would you want from a dating app? Mm. And from just that very, very brief scan, there was a number of ideas there. The idea that when you go on the first date, it has to be a double date. For example, you go with a friend and then someone else would bring along a friend and you do the double date. The idea that the app would have a firewall in place where you can't screenshot messages. Mm. Because a lot of people nowadays don't yeah. like the idea that, oh, I think I'm talking to this person was actually it's a female and there's a group of males in a house just passing a phone around taking the piss or whatever the story is. Um, the idea that if you wanted to, much like gambling apps, send in a picture of your passport. Yeah, and you have to be a verified so like user. Talk, so we've talked, we've talked, we've talked about that across all the platforms. Yeah, exactly. That they all need to bring that in. Oh, 100 percent. But I think that's something that would be really, really key to making an app like this. Um, to making an app like this work. So, right, hypothetical question now. Right, if I was looking for a friend to to put them on a dating app that they were looking for a date, do you think I was born yesterday? <laughs> do you? What what dating apps do you use? You're a cheeky bastard, you know that? <laughs> this wasn't in the fucking script at all. Like, no, um, I know you can't answer that on the public record. If I was to use hypothetical apps, ultimately what you're looking for is what are the bits that you take out of each, right? What are the important kind of different things? What so, the outcomes you're looking for? What the outcomes? I don't mind the outcomes I'm looking for because that's getting way too fucking seedy and personal and I have I have a job which is relatively public. Um, so, the, but no, the, the key here and... Again, this isn't just my opinion, right? This is what the research is kind of based off of, right? So mm. if I did... So before this, I did research, which I, know, I it's usually amazing. do. Actually, we actually yeah, came to this for you. work. I know, yeah. Um, so this data was all published in um, the journal, which is Evolutionary Psychological Sciences. This isn't my opinion. Say this that is one again. What is that? Evolutionary Psycholo- Psychological Science. Fair play after a few drinks in. I know. That's because you were late um but ultimately right so if you look at tinder just as an example again mm. this is this is not in-app data this is the data of these two to um two researchers so 70 percent of active users um of tinder are men and they also use tinder at a higher frequency than women would so there is more of them and also they use the app more um more often unsurprisingly the top 10 percent of if you look at this in terms of percentiles in terms of the amount of matches get the most matches so the top 10 percent of women and the top 10% of men are the ones that get the most matches on the platform, right? After that, this is where it gets particularly um, grueling for the men, <laughs> unsurprisingly. Um, so if you look at the bottom 10%, then the bottom 10% of male consumers will roughly speaking get um, a match once a week. Mm. 
for the female consumers in the bottom 10 percentile they get one a day still so basically there's a mismatch here between the amount that you're swiping and the amount that you're actually getting matching mm-hmm. now that might seem a bit kind of laughy jokey but there's also kind of a self-esteem element here mm-hmm. right if you're using an app quite a lot and you're not getting any dates you're not even getting matches that's going to be pretty soul destroying for you as a male or a female um, or a female consumer so what this particular study did was basically mapped out that if you're in the bottom kind of 10 percent we'll say of male consumers mm-hmm. you would have to swipe six thousand times before you got one date out of that based on the probability of a saying, match yeah you have to go into a nightclub and talk to six thousand people before you get a date that was, well that was the, that's the other thing that there was very actually there's very little correlate the correlation if you go out in a night out you're more likely to actually hook up with someone sure, than okay. actually using the app is what the, the the science basically said or what the kind of what the kind of research said so the other thing beyond this and this is really really important for an app like thursday is that only 13 percent of app users who use tinder were long-term users so that means one and a half times um or sorry 1.5 years later so ultimately what that means if we're to look at the data and show that the majority of people don't actually hook up from the app um and you have a lot of people coming off the app or you only 13 percent use it beyond a year and a half that ultimately means that the app isn't serving its purpose right mm. um and that's where an app like thursday needs to be very very clear in terms of what their business model is and making sure that you keep consumers on there for as long as possible hinge makes sense because hinge they want you on there they want you to get into a long-term relationship they spread good positive word of mouth that this is the place to get your long-term relationship and then more people sign off your premium subscription so there's a constant new flow of traffic whereas the churn rate in tinder is absolutely massive and again that's just based on the data that we have when you talk there about the business models and the business the, the platform of thursday it's interesting they actually only i don't think we mentioned yet they only operate on a thursday you can only use that's the app on a thursday which is a bit of a weird one right because I get what Tinder is. Tinder is a hookup app. Mm-hmm. Bumble, I get because they're very, very. But Bumble's more so for on the the female side, isn't it? That they again, have that to accept first. I think it is. It? Yeah. yeah. So again, yeah. It, it builds into this kind of let's call it kind of socio psychological security kind of side of things. But again, that I'm loving that work. word now. I know, but the, no, that was <laughs> what I said. No, 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 I said something else. Sounds familiar. So the 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 point here though is that although it's gauged towards females, mm-hmm. if you don't have enough males. Yeah. to match with it, then the app ultimately doesn't work and obviously i'm talking about heterosexual relationship here so the 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 key here is that the balance needs to be right and therefore when you're talking about things like marketing certain events and stuff like that there needs to be a balance in terms of who you're attracting to those events but again with thursday it's, it's an interesting one like the app is only active on a thursday, thursday. their their social postings even i think they even stick, they stick to a thursday yeah. as well and they launch events on a thursday yeah. and like they partner with some big brands so they partner with bolt they do yeah. events at blue dog quite a lot in terms of their bars all mm. over the all over the uk um so again it's this this narrative i find very very strange their whole idea is that celebrate being single for six days of the week but try finding a meaningful relationship one day a week Mm. which happens to be thursday i think that's a bit strange in terms of the narrative but it seems to be working at the moment bringing it back to the campaign i suppose um that they're running at the moment in terms of looking for content for for platforms the last kind of stat i've seen around uh, since they put it out which is only i'm saying maybe about three weeks now maybe two weeks even they're hitting about a thousand replies a thousand uh entries you know into this kind of i don't even know if there's a full competition to be quite honest being run it's basically the 
the joy of having your your advert up in the tube in London, do you know? So they're getting in, they're getting in about a thousand uh, comments in, and some of them are fantastic. Like some of them there, I have a Thursday is the new hump day, and um, the the app for for when you didn't get uh, enough hump on hump day, you know. So it's all this kind of stuff is coming in. One guy channeled. Those are both terrible. Is there any one guy ones? channeled uh, Mean Girls? Uh, you like this one? On Wednesday we were p- we were pink. On Thursday we were nothing. <laughs> I don't, I don't, what's Mean Girls? I don't know what ah, mean Dave, girls come on. What so, Mean Girls are. But I think, look, that's kind of going down the route of what they're talking about in terms of the advertising needs to be disrupt, uh, disruptive. And what's interesting is even the people that are sending in these comments kind of know the style that Thursday are looking for, if that makes sense. You know, they're not just sending in boring adverts. They're sending in the tongue-in-cheek, as we talked about, to grab attention, you know. So they're even seeing it from that side, which is great. Yeah, well, mm. it is great and it isn't great. I mean... Like and again, I I kind of started looking at this when when you mentioned it, right? And I think a lot of what Thursday have done in terms of their social stuff has been really, really good, really, really interesting, really, really innovative, attention grabbing, all the stuff we've spoken about already. Um, there is a kind of a there is a theory out there with marketing, right? Whereby if you take the two parties involved in a transaction, you have a producer and you have a consumer, the person providing the service and the person consuming it. That's all fine. When social media kind of took off, um, there was this sense that the marketer was kind of after losing control of the narrative because now you weren't just booking into a hotel, you were booking into a hotel and then leaving a review afterwards, which is going to directly impact. Like nowadays, what's more important, you having a restaurant, which is a Michelin-starred restaurant, or you having five stars on TripAdvisor? It's the five stars on TripAdvisor because it's the first place that anyone goes, basically took any of this kind of stuff so the thing here in terms of um in terms of thursday is that they've basically asked their customers or their potential customers to fuel what their brand is going to mean and in theory there's nothing wrong with that but then you have this weird blend of the producer and the consumer where the consumer becomes the producer and the issue with that is that they're working for free so you have their and with TripAdvisor, it makes sense because there's a benefit there because I'm creating positive content for a hotel, but I'm also creating negative content if that hotel doesn't perform and I'm helping other consumers, but those consumers are also helping me. And there's plenty of positive examples of that. In this case, they are literally looking for give give us advertising content that we can then use to attract people to our app. And there's no reward for the consumers doing that. And that's what we refer to as immaterial labor effectively. Well, I, I can see both sides of it, right? You, like what you're saying there in terms of that, they're actually getting a bit of negative press, which is which is kind of interesting. So even someone like Creative Director, uh, creative director uh, Natalie Gordon of Dior is saying that getting people to blatantly work for free was embarrassing five years ago. Now, as the UK wage squeeze continues and we're forcing some inflation hikes and the cost of living rises above means, it's downright criminal. And that's one of many comments that they have gotten in, you know, as you said, asking people to work for free. But I see it from the other side of you. It's it's not that they're putting out a call to marketers, advertisers, people in this profession. They're putting it out to everyone, and I think let them. Like you don't have to do it. It's not a, you're not obliged to do it. They're doing it as a fun and a PR stunt and a marketing ploy, and it's working. You know, and now whether oh, no, it's, on apps is, is definitely working. Yeah. So whether you know it's like that going back to that thing of you know the stupid comment of no presses uh, or. Bad press, good press, whatever it is, you know, I don't even remember. Comment of all time. But like that, like there's other one here. Prince Andrew that. He wouldn't agree. (laughs) No, 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 no. Keep it clean. 
Um, there's another one here, another associate creative director saying, why are brands still trying to get free work out of people by paying with exposure? Uh, here's the ironic thing, a hell of a lot of people uh, a hell of a lot of people right now are going to be suffering from exposure rather than benefiting from it. Do better. So yeah, but I again, can see both but again, sides. It's this like. idea of oh, you've got a load of junior designers out there and a load of junior marketing people. Send us all your ideas. We'll take those ideas. We won't pay. Uh, but and it's their choice if they them. want to send the stuff in. That's their choice. Yeah, no, but is there not? They're a stupid way enough to act- send it in and work for free. Then if that's uh, the case, you can't call the consumer stupid. That's that's you're not allowed to do that. Fundamentally, consumers, not the users of the app, the people fu- that sent in the content yeah, well, and fu- give out that yeah, they're working look, for free. I mean, yes, fu- look, fundamentally, from a marketing perspective, does it work? Absolutely, it works because people will send in stuff, it will end up on billboards, it will get seen by people, and it's user generated content, so it's sort of safe, right? And that the users or the consumers have kind of sent this in. Um, I, d- I do have a fundamental issue with brands making consumers not making consumers but presenting an opportunity for consumers which predominantly for example if you're a young marketer straight out of college you're seeing this and it's oh, it's my opportunity to get some exposure the chance of you getting exposure to this is so small because there's so many people contributing to it that they're almost selling a sort of uh they're selling some sort of an uh, um, so they're selling sort of you can achieve a goal by doing this. When in actuality, the chance of you doing that or not, it's a lottery. It could be you, but it fucking probably won't be. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So that's the kind of issue that I kind of have here. And again, it's working for them. So from a marketing perspective, fair play to them. It's working Brilliant. really, really well. Um, but from a again a more theoretical, consumers should not be or people should not be working for free. I hate that word consumers. People should not be working for free. That's again something that should be taken into account. Like why don't they why don't they go into why don't they make it better? Why don't they go into um why don't they go into several universities over in the UK and basically run the exact same competition and whoever gets the the university that gets the right slogan or that gets the most slogans published or put a number of slogans up and run the competition on social media, all of the students that sent in the slogans get a scholarship for a couple of years. Just something which gives back. Brilliant idea. But are they going to get the same publicity they're getting? They will because then there's a vote going on. Not a chance. No, it's it's a particular audience that they're now uh, gravitating towards and it's going to be an internal kind of a you know, campaign in terms of universities, it's not going to spread out the same way it is oh, at the I moment. Don't know. I don't know. It's not. You know, it's not. Um, but no, I do, I do think it's he interesting. He says with such confidence. But it's anyway, not, drive not on. We're going nowhere. No, Go on, drive no. on. I'm not letting you win we'll this. Let the audi- let the I'm not letting decide. you win this. Let the audience decide. We'll do, we'll do, we'll do, a, we'll do a poll on, on Instagram, will we? I'll put in my own slogan. <laughs> Leave the lads alone. My own now. slogan is um, Sunshine in a Glass. Sunshine in a Glass. Right. It's really nice. Right, so next on the agenda, Elon Musk taking over the world. Yeah, Elon's been causing a bit of a stir, in fairness to him, in the last kind of, this was the last week, really. I mean, fundamentally. <laughs> more than a week now at this stage. Uh, no, he's well, no, he's been at it for a while, in fairness to him. I mean, that's, look, that's the one thing that I would preface. Everything that we're going to talk about here, there is a fundamental problem with billionaires like Elon Musk basically doing whatever they want with no repercussions whatsoever in terms of what they do or say because these people are very very influential so around the time of the Chilean miners he tweeted the fella that basically saved him and said he was a paedophile you had him during covid saying this covid stuff is a load of nonsense and again people will listen to him because he is the wealthiest man in the world effectively um 
and there is a fundamental issue and we can see particularly we'd see it with young males i would say who follow this kind of hustle porn kind of generation of just work yourself into the ground don't have any respect for anyone that type of stuff so when you have someone who uh these people look up to doing this stuff mm. that is damaging there's no question he's a genius the man is an absolute genius in terms of what he's doing in terms of tesla what he's doing at spacex so there's no questioning that whatsoever but i would be of the opinion that people who are in that position within society need to hold themselves to higher standards I can act a maggot on this podcast, but nobody listens to me or cares what <laughs> I say. So it's fine. They listen to bloody Elon Musk. So yeah. that's that's the trick here, right? But was ultimately in the last kind of week or so, Elon Musk bid um, for to buy Twitter, to take over the whole thing. So effectively what, what he did is that he, like he already owned, so he bought 9.2% of Twitter stock, right? Um, he then put in a bid um, to the share to the board of directors to basically buy Twitter outright, um, which would have been a valuation of about forty billion um, euros if you were to translate it across. Um, the Twitter board isn't having it, um, and there's two reasons for that. Either one, they're not taking Elon Musk seriously because of who Elon Musk is and his yeah. track record kind of, of notion, saying things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's done he's done this before, you know. Um, or they don't think that um, his bid is at a high enough value mm. um, that they would sell it at that particular price. So once he got to the kind of um, 9.2%, they offered him a seat on the board. He then realized that if I own that percentage and I go on the board, I can't buy more yes. of, the, of, the, um, of the company. So basically he said, I don't want the seat on the board I'm going to stay on I the want the whole lines. lot. <laughs> exactly. I want, the whole, I want the whole lot, effectively. So I think what's interesting here is that the bid that he's put in is roughly speaking, and this data is from the journal, um, so roughly speaking, what he's bid is about 16% more than the average share price in Q1 of 2022. So that would suggest, yeah, that's a pretty good deal. Why aren't the board taking it? But if you compare it to 2021, Twitter at one point hit a high of 70 euros per share. So therefore, again, if you were to benchmark it against this year's price, way below, if you're going to do based on last year's price, then maybe he could go he could go a bit higher basically in terms of what he's looking to bid for the um what he's going to bid for the overall company and most since has been tweeting things like well the twitter board has almost no shares <laughs> yeah. and why are they making this decision all the rest of it now again there is some logic to a board of a company not having shares because they're not making decisions then mm. for their own personal gain they're making those decisions for the good of the overall company so i think there's Again, there's a there's a fundamental issue here with someone basically engaging in a public bidding process on Twitter, the That's platform that he's looking to buy, and pressuring the board into making a decision when he's got track record in doing these kind of things. So, like, people may not be aware, but a number of years ago, um, he tweeted something along the lines of funding secured, saying that he was basically going right, to take yeah. Tesla fully private. No, he didn't have funding secured. Yeah. It was just a tweet to, to drive the price either up or down. He's done, there's multiple examples of where he's done this. So if you then have someone in that position who's got track record and the SEC have put in place, which is basically a, like a slap on the wrist, it doesn't actually do anything, but he needs to basically run all of his tweets by lawyers and solicitors to make sure he doesn't manipulate the stock the price, which shares. is illegal, <laughs> by the way. If you're, anywhere, if you're earning 100 
grand a year, that's illegal if you're Elon Musk perfectly happy days yeah, which again yeah. is the issue that we're kind of um that we're kind of experiencing here so it's very very interesting in terms of how things have developed um and look twitter of um twitter's border brought in the poison pill which i can talk about in a minute but what do you think of the whole kind of scenario in terms of what he's trying to do what he might do and all the rest i of just it? think it's like it's like them all they're all just trying to garner more power and stuff like he's coming out saying you know this whole thing of free you know free speech and all this and it just I'm just kind of fed up with them all trying to grab more of the pie. You know, stick to what they're good at. They're doing what they're good at. You know, like it's coming out now that I even saw an article now today, which has kind of changed this slightly more that uh, a person you're a fan of would be Professor Scott Galloway. Mm. Um, he has now come out and said that basically he doesn't have the money to do it. He's yeah. bluffing his whole way to the doors of Twitter he, he knocking would, on he him. Would like, have you know? to, he would have to take out a loan against his Tesla stock, which... Is he going to put his? Not a chance. Is he going to put the no. first child in jeopardy no. to adopt someone else? Basically, no. do you know, not a chance. Is he going to? So I, I, I don't know how long he's going to keep it going for, or what the next plan is. He might have something up his sleeve, but I, I just don't see it happening. Um, but as you said, there, my, my, my favorite thing is the platform he's using to talk about this publicly is the platform he's trying to buy. Like, you know? but, it, but, it, but it's, but it's what he's done for years. So if you like, I mean, I would say that, and you wanted to come on to this conversation anyway, right? But organic social right mm. if you take any public figure and where they have the most authority out of all of the platforms the majority of them and i know there's a few kardashians and so on and so forth very very strong instagram following but in terms of the volume of people who have the a lot yeah. of power twitter is the place to be and um, there are a huge amount of very very influential people who drive a lot of public policy public thought and all the rest of it via twitter in particular from an individual perspective Um, trump was a perfect but, yeah but i was just gonna say anytime you even see in in the media any you know this politicians after saying this the government are after coming out and standing by this whatever it is it's always a quote from one of them on twitter that's where they pull everything from it's never yeah or they put out a story there on instagram do you know it's it just doesn't really come from that it's, new, it's news ultimately yeah. i mean you will drive and i know that if we're going to go back a bit and talk about Brexit, Cambridge, which we don't want to go into, right? we've done all that before, but social media platforms have been proven to be very, very easy to hijack. Not easy to hijack. They could be hijacked, can be hijacked. Um, and they can manipulate quite a lot of people and a lot of very, very bad things can yeah. happen. Trump, Brexit, general divide in America. You can go yeah. on. In this particular case, it's narrower, it's not as dangerous, but it still shows the potential for it but to it, be dangerous. Yeah, that's the important. If he gets hold of it, what happens then? Yeah. Do you know, that's that's the big thing. And that's where we, we've talked, you know, in terms of the likes of Facebook, now we in Meta. Um, that's happened that's actually since the last time we... <laughs> this is stupid name. Fucking name um, but this whole thing of Meta, do you know, and, and how much of the space that that, that company owns. You yeah. know, we've talked about this, that should they, you know, they have such a monopoly, should they start being disbanded and start being separate companies yeah, yeah. and start having separate rules and boards and whatever it is. 100%, like, if, if, if you have an, an elite group at the very, very top that own everything... It's very, very dangerous. Oh, it is not. It's incredibly dangerous. And again, we don't want to go into all the Cambridge stuff and all over again. But I think the one thing with Twitter, which is interesting, is it's probably the one platform that you could argue it's been exploited by, would say, Trump, for example. But that's just algorithms, right? It wasn't actually hijacked, per se. Um, but as a news source, 
I still find that there is, and if you look at the stock price of your Amazon, your Facebook, all those tech giants, Twitter is the one that is constantly fell behind every single one of them. They're finding it very, very difficult to monetize mm -hmm. that business, which is very, very strange because it's the one where I would say, if you were to take a straw poll of all of my colleagues, friends, whatever, it's the one we all use the most because it's where you yeah. go for news. It's yeah. where you go for different opinion, conversation, all this kind of stuff, which you don't get with the other the other platforms. You want to see a nice picture of a lasagna? Go on to Instagram. <laughs> yeah. um, you want to see a dancing dog? Go on to TikTok. And I love a dancing dog on TikTok. But if you want news, you go to, you go to Twitter, yeah. ultimately. Speaking of that, they're actually interesting when you talk about the ad platforms and TikTok in particular, we've we've talked about it here before, but TikTok itself is online to surpass the combined ad revenues of Twitter and Snapchat, both combined. So um, it's expected to triple this year to about 11.64 billion, uh, which was only 3.88 billion in 2021, still big numbers, but Twitter is sitting at five, just on, just short of six billion, and Snapchat are short, just short of five billion. So, combined. Now, when I hear statements like this, you know, you have to obviously think of it and look at it a bit more. I'm not really surprised, and the reason being is, as you just said, Twitter and Snapchat, they're not great ad platforms. They're not great. Oh, they're you know, not many brands are using them. They were trying to push it, the whole thing on Snapchat, it just didn't really work. It fell flat, and now everyone's moved over to TikTok. So. I don't, you know, I don't see that, or I don't see the the benefit in people um, advertising on those platforms. But TikTok is where it's going, and I, if I'm right in saying, it, I could be totally wrong here now. But even Elon Musk was looking at before about possibly looking at buying parts of TikTok as well, wasn't he? Oh, I, have a I think I there was. I think originally he was looking into that as well, but um, I could be wrong. But basically, yeah, they're trying to get more uh, platforms themselves, more you know, land that they can talk to people on. Yeah, effectively. I mean, I, TikTok is genius, to be honest with you, in terms of what it, and even in terms of the ad platform, it's genius because it's spontaneous, right? There's not a huge amount of data coming back in terms of the return on ad spend from TikTok, but in an age whereby, since the iOS 14 changes came out, which is basically whereby Apple decided no Facebook. I know it was all apps, but ultimately we're, we're no Facebook. <laughs> yeah, your reporting is going to be messed up because we can't tell you if anyone has spent money via your platform. We're not going to allow you optimize ad spend based on people's engagement on other websites because you're not allowed. Yeah. Target we're not, we're not going to follow anyone. And then ultimately, <laughs> you can't. Then ultimately, you can't. Um, advertisers can't target people based on certain yeah. metrics, behaviors, and so on and so forth. So, what is even interesting in that environment whereby Facebook kind of took a hit in terms of people don't want to use it anymore because it's not as effective at all. Um. Twitter still, I, I, like as an advertiser, I would never go to Twitter to advertise. I wouldn't. Mm. Um, the targeting is not strong. Um, the only one I ever see always popping up on Twitter is um, taxi companies. They're the only ones in my head. I can't even picture it as like, you know, free now or one of them, whichever yeah, one it was. Fair, it's the yeah. only one that I can ever picture popping up. And Regatta, for some reason, Regatta has always popped up a couple of times for me as well. Do you like Regatta? No. I think I have a couple of regatta jackets and that's about it. That's like very reason, limited. Yeah, that's the reason why. Yeah. But I think in terms of Thursday, I I'll give I'll give a I'll give a bit of homework for people at home if they want to listen to something extra. So if they want if to listen If they've made it this far. If they've made it this far. Um <laughs> Matt it's a great name. Matt McNeil Love. That's the co founder, the other co founder of uh, Thursday. He does a great podcast actually. Um we're gonna promote another podcast. He with social minds over in the UK. Oh, and yeah. he talks all about 
obviously the, the founding of Thursday, what they do and how they do it. But he talks all about the whole area of no budget, guerrilla marketing, stunt, PR, public relations. And he's talked about through a couple of them, what they did and how they've seen it. But goes hugely into the whole area of why they pick LinkedIn and why they're, why they're using it, like which is kind of you know, not not a conventional choice, I suppose, that many brands will go down just to focus on that. Um, so that's that's well worth a listen to uh, episode 174 uh, over on Social Mind, so well worth listening to. Um, but yeah, no, I think we can go down an absolute rabbit hole with, with this and we probably will again at some stage anyway. Probably, you'll um, be wrong again, but sure, look. But we, I think we'll leave it at that for the first episode. So look, I, for me anyway, it's great to be back, great doing social antics again. We need loads of different things. We need a clock over there. We need a list of things that we're going to talk about so we're not jumping around the place. Um, The main thing is hopefully Owen comes back next week after the first week. Owen is looking at us going, how am I going to edit this absolute shit show? So if you've gotten this far, Owen's done a very, very good job. It's different before than we just pressed record and that was it, basically. Chop and tail it or top and tail or whatever it is. Yeah, so... um, yeah, so uh, thanks very much for listening. Um, thanks to Owen for producing it. And you can catch us again here next week. And you can follow us on social media to keep up to date. Thank you. I might come back next week. Please do.